Hello and welcome to the EPL Pitch Side Podcast, which is powered by City FM and City Sports. This is your go-to hub for everything Premier League analysis, transfer stories, stats and everything in between. And you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Nathan Kwa, sitting in for your regular host, Benjamin Inketia. And we are set for a fantastic weekend of Premier League action as it returns following the international break. This weekend, it is Jurgen Klopp versus Manchester City's Pep Guardiola once again as Liverpool travel to the Etihad to meet their very good friends on the blue side of Manchester. Newcastle hosts Chelsea in a very, very interesting game of two teams who are hoping to return to winning ways. We'll talk about Brentford versus Arsenal in a London derby of a sort and we'll pick out all the other big stuff ahead of another week of Premier League action. And to do this with me is Edwin Kwakofi. Edwin, how are you doing? Good to be here and looking very much forward to <laughs> our Premier League roadshow when the Premier League comes back on Saturday. Yep, can't yep, wait yep. To it. Wonderful. And for those who are listening, we have a roadshow on Saturday. We are going to Blackberry, um, yes. Blackberry Pub S- in uh, Spintex Sa- or Sakuma, yeah. wherever, that side of town. So you should join us. We've moved about a lot this season. We'll be moving about a lot more as we head out. So join us this Saturday for another exciting time at Blackberry in Spain, Texas. Edwin, the international break uh, technically will be over and by the time a lot of people consume this podcast, we'll be gearing up for another exciting Premier League weekend which returns with a big bang. Is Manchester City versus Liverpool. Somehow the two teams are in positions one and two and <laughs> Liverpool especially, they haven't you know, they haven't looked explosive or they haven't looked like the way we want them to look when you compare them to say two seasons ago or three seasons ago, but they have kind of rebuilt their team on the quiet and they are now what a point or so behind Manchester City as they head to the Etihad over the weekend. This should be a fun game. It should be. Um just like the Manchester City Chelsea game last well, a couple of weeks ago now. I think there'll be lots of goals in it because these are two of the more explosive teams going forward the better offensive teams in the premier league this season score lots of goals creates lots of chances there aren't too many games where you'd go into and say oh liverpool aren't going to score you city aren't going to score so you should obviously expect that we are going to get a, a few goals in in this game but you mentioned something that liverpool haven't been the liverpool we expect but I don't think City have been as well. well I think, yeah. especially this season, we are seeing a lot of lapses, a lot of weaknesses in both sides. For Liverpool, it's quite obvious. Even though they strengthened in midfield, even though the attack seems to be firing on all cylinders, that defence seems to be a problem. We were talking before the start of the season about whether they needed reinforcements. And right now, it seems that they might <laughs> might might have missed out on the trick by not getting uh, one or two more centre-backs into the team. I think Van Dijk is a very good centre-back. Mm-hmm. Whoever partners him seems to go up another level. But there are errors creeping into that defence that we wouldn't have seen a couple of years ago. Trent Alexander-Arnold, the, those defensive issues still exist, but he seems to be improving as well. On the left-hand side, we are seeing Semikas play a lot more uh, games and 
offensively he's really really good defensively a few question marks as well so you can tell where the obvious problems for Liverpool are apart from a relative lack of death in some key areas okay. that defense is still an issue and when you're going up against the Man City attack with Jeremy Doku, Ellen Haaland with Phil Foden who are all in really fine form and Bernardo Silva Silva as well (laughs) it becomes a little more difficult but as we saw against Chelsea City have their own problems as well and I don't think it's something that you can pinpoint to just as in the case of Liverpool that oh it's their defence it's their midfield it's their attack I think if you pick one player Mm. from Pep's settled side or Pep's settled squad one very important player like we saw uh, with Rodri, like we've seen with uh, in the f- past few games with Bernardo Silva. If uh, Alvarez is not on form, there's something wrong. If Doku doesn't have a good game, ev- everything seems to be off. It seems when one player, one important player is picked from Pep's setup, there's a bit of shakiness that we've not known from Man City in recent years. And a lot of teams are taking advantage of that. You mentioned that Pep has uh, is a little more focused on defense uh, in recent, yeah. uh, maybe last couple of seasons. Packed his side with a lot of center backs. Sometimes goes four center backs across board because he wants to emphasize the solidity at the back. But I think that it's led to City having to change their style of play. Now, instead of dominating games, dominating teams completely for 80, 70, 60 minutes in a game, they are now dominating games in phases, in 10-minute, 15-minute phases. So, which means there are also phases in the game where they either allow the opposition to play their game or they, they are not as good as they usually are. And a few teams have taken advantage of those phases that City have allowed them to cause some damage. I can easily mention um, Wolves who got a win against City, a very unlikely win. They got two very important phases, took advantage of their chances and managed to pick up the win. There were games in which, even though City didn't manage to lose it, they were still uh, a bit worried. West Ham, for example, uh, against Nottingham Forest, uh, against Brighton after they went 2-0 up and obviously against Chelsea where there were lots of phases in that game where Chelsea mm-hmm. were the much better side and I'm still surprised that they still they didn't manage to pick up all three points. So City acknowledged that they are not going to boss teams around for 90 minutes. They are they are they are going to have phases in the game where they are they undoubtedly the better side Mm. and in those moments they typically tend to score in those moments they typically tend to overpower teams so much that those phases where they are not good don't matter okay but this weekend they are coming up against a liverpool side who tend to make phases where they are in control of games matter where in phases where they are in control you find salah find Gakpo or jota or nunez get at the opposition defense and very uh, likely gets a few goals in. So this is where the game is difficult to call. Two very offensive teams, two teams that have struggled to keep goals out recently and two teams that, even though are playing some really good football, have been exposed a a lot of times this season by teams that play in very different ways. So this game is very difficult to call. I'm, I'm 
predicting that <laughs> it's going to be come down to the managers. I see. You feel that the tactical war between the two managers, that, that's what will settle this game. That is what will settle this game. But it, look, we saw City play against Chelsea. And if I will take anything from that encounter, it's the fact that maybe it was just on the day. So let me just focus on the day. I don't think Pep Guardiola's men liked the chaotic turn the game took. And you can tell that he tried reining the game in, but Pochettino kept taking it away from him in terms of ensuring the chaos. Because I think that the change to bring on Jaguilis, for example, that was the main idea, just to calm things down. But it looks like Chelsea wanted to play at 200 miles per hour and Man City somehow were dragged along <laughs> that same line. But again, so, so I, I look at that and I think about Liverpool, who are probably the best team at playing what I call the basketball type of football yeah. where the yeah. game goes end to, to end and is open and it's chaotic. I wonder how Pep will nullify that because when I watch City play, it's almost as though they create a certain tempo so they can find the lead, exactly. they can command the game and then when they are in control, they start to determine how slow or how quickly it goes. But I, I get the sense Liverpool will be like probably Chelsea on steroids <laughs> and, and get the game to be played at a certain pace. They will and yeah, it's definitely going to be difficult for City to contain them. I feel that Liverpool, when they build up ahead of steam, are really difficult to stop. Same as City, obviously. Mm, okay. But Liverpool, more to an extent that they only know one way to play, which is go for it, <laughs> attack, hit them on the counter, hit them on the break. Uh, City have developed a few ways to play. They possess the ball. They are very good counter-attacking wise recently too. And their Route 1 football is some of the best in the Premier League. You don't expect Route 1 football from City. But, <laughs> but yeah, they do. Once you have a goalkeeper with the kicking ability of uh, Edison and with uh, a striker with like the Ellen yeah, physique of Ellen Haaland finishing ability, you have a lot of ways to play. And I think that has worked to Man City's benefits, especially in games where okay. they're not playing at their best. We'll see how it goes. It's the first game on Saturday, 12.30pm. That's how the international break ends and that's how the new Premier League week welcomes all of us. An absolute banger at the Etihad. Let's get to St. James's Park where you expect a similar raucous kind of atmosphere, this time generated by the fans because Newcastle's home fans, I can say, they are some of the loudest in the league. They welcome Chelsea. Now, the two teams... When you look at them in recent weeks, they seem to be playing well, but they haven't won a game in a while. Chelsea drew 4-4 with Man City in what I call the game of the season. Um, they beat Spurs before that, and I think they lost to Brentford, I, I believe. Newcastle themselves have had a bit of a wobbly time, especially in the Champions They beat Arsenal in the Premier League in some controversy. Um, but they welcome Chelsea. Um, Edwin, let's, let's talk about Chelsea. And the first thing I maybe I want us to talk about is how they will respond to Newcastle, especially in the first 20-25 minutes, because we know that that is Newcastle's strength. The fact that they can start the game with a lot of intensity, they can ruffle you up, they can make it a very uncomfortable physical encounter. How does Mauricio Pochettino handle that, knowing that Newcastle, like I said, will be very physical and Chelsea will have to try and match them in order to stay alive after the first 25 minutes when the game is goalless and then see what happens afterwards? Well, I think Chelsea have had a lot of experience playing teams like that who like to attack from the off, right? like to hit teams right from the start. 
in Manchester City most recently and Liverpool in Arsenal in uh, Aston Villa so they have a lot of experience dealing with such pressure early on I feel that how Chelsea have been able to deal with this is go at the teams themselves so you saw against Manchester City Chelsea basically dominated those first uh, 10 5 to 10 yeah, minutes yeah. in the game same against Arsenal same against Liverpool if you don't allow those teams to build up momentum, obviously you derail any plans they had coming into this game. And Newcastle themselves, they've not been in the best of form. Obviously, they'd want to pick up a good result against Chelsea and improving Chelsea's side. They will definitely see this as a test. But the injuries, the suspensions, the, the sanctions that have been put on some of their players are really starting to get to them. And we saw Trippier in that previous game against Bournemouth Bournemouth, have a go at the fans. (laughs) Because there's frustration starting to get around this team. Losses in the Premier League, in the Champions League, have really dampened confidence that seemed to come back after a few starters early in the season. And the players are starting to feel their heat. Eddie Howe is starting to feel their heat. The fans, I feel a bit unfairly, expect a lot more from this team. <laughs> Why do you say a bit unfairly? Because a couple of years ago, this Newcastle team seemed destined for relegation, okay. seemed destined for the championship. Eddie Howe came in, make, made a few tweaks, and suddenly they are in the Champions League again. No one expected them okay. to get this far so soon, even with all the money that is at their disposal. They haven't... Apart from maybe Sandro Tonali, they haven't made any extravagant signings, I can think well, of. Well, Alexander Issa came in yeah, for okay. quite some money. Yeah, he did come <laughs> in for some, uh, some money. But apart from them, I think they've bought really modestly. They've bought rights in the in the right places in their team. Okay. They've affected the teams where they needed to. And Eddie Howe has put together a good group of players who have over-delivered in my estimation. But it's led to the fans uh, probably raising their expectations <laughs> to a greater uh, limits that maybe the players are struggling to reach. And I feel for them. The injuries are affecting them. They are expected to beat every single team. And it, it happens when you get wins against United. You get wins against Arsenal. Your fans uh, expect you to go against Man City, against Chelsea and dominate. You're not going to do that. Maybe not... Uh, at the moment, not right now. So they need to temper their expectations. In this game, more than others, I feel Newcastle do have a chance, though. Okay. Chelsea are a team still in transition. They are a team still trying to find themselves. Recent good results aside, I feel that there's a lot for this Chelsea team to do in order to call start calling itself a big okay. team as, uh, again. And Returns of uh, Rhys James, uh, Badia Shili, more importantly, Christopher Nkunku, after an international break, will be very important. We'll mm-hmm. see how fit and how uh, in form he is when he comes back. But I feel Chelsea are starting to discover their first team. Moshe Pochettino okay. is starting to get a feel of his team. Players are coming back from EG. Players that he would have used at the start of the season but weren't available to him. So, aside from the confidence from uh, from the squad, when they whenever they win games, aside from uh, the manager seeming to 
start to believe in himself a little bit more, we are seeing a more settled Chelsea team. Mm-hmm. You can now almost predict the next Chelsea eleven. You mm-hmm. couldn't do that at the start of the season or maybe uh, midway through the first 12 games that they played. And it's encouraging signs for them. What Chelsea fans would be hoping is that do the players, do the players and managers see Newcastle as a big game? Because that's how they seem to respond to games this this season. Well, yeah, I mean, depending on depending on the, which team, the, they the are nature facing. of the game, they, yes. they, they so lift up. Their in recent years, Newcastle has become a, a huge game. But do the players consider it that way? Are they going to bring their A game, or are they going to see this as one that they probably expect to win? That uh, maybe they are going to be complacent for. They are not going to bring a hundred percent of their play into and. That's going to be very important coming into this game. Mm. We are going to see how Chelsea maintain this form over the next few weeks. And starting from Newcastle, if they get a good win against Newcastle, I feel mm. it could set them up for a very good run in the next few games. Look, I, I saw Chelsea play against Manchester City. I think they were they were absolutely brilliant. I thought the intensity was great. The tactical plan for Mauricio Pochettino made a lot of sense. And I think their players executed very, very well. So let's see how they fare against Newcastle, who you have to admit do give teams a, a lot of discomfort when they come to St. James's Park. Chelsea will not be an exception. But let's see how Mauricio Pochettino's young soldiers will ride it all out. There are some experienced heads in there. Raheem Sterling, he understands this league really, really well. A few others will um, show what they can do over the weekend. It's Newcastle versus Chelsea. That's Saturday afternoon. Let's talk about um, Spurs and Aston Villa. That's a very interesting one on on Sunday. Spurs are hoping to get back to winning ways. They lost the last two. One, of course, against Chelsea. You, that game left their possession quite early, if you like. But then the game at Wolves, it left... It went away from, from them in minutes, really. They led after the third minute and then um, Wolf scored two late goals. Um, they still don't have some players back. I think this will be the second game Romero is missing, so he won't be back. We don't know the status of James James Madison. Um, and they have decisions to make, really. It looks like that back four from the, from last weekend may still be intact. Eric Dyer in there, Ben, ben Davis in there. I think Udogi might be back. Okay, Udogi had a, a one, of yes. course, two yellows means one game, so... Hopefully, he, he should be back. They are hosting Villa. Villa themselves, at home, have been fantastic. It's a way that's been the issue. It's not like they've been horrible away, but they've kind of hiccuped a bit there. Um, and then if you are Ange Postecoglou, you've, you've seen your players go on an international break. Luckily, players should come back without any headaches. What's the plan for, for Villa? Villa are feeling very confident at the moment. What can Spurs do? Just looking at the context of all their issues, how can they get a win this weekend? Look, um, Ange Postecoglou is a very good manager, given the way he's been able to set up Spurs this season and he, the way he's got them playing this season. Some really, really good football. There are sequences in Spurs' play that remind me of 2012 Barcelona. And I'm not exaggerating <laughs> here. The one-touch football... The ability to find play, uh, players in really tight spaces and some of the goals they score really impress me. But he he also needs to understand that you can't hope to succeed at the very top if you don't 
change your style of play. Okay. The biggest managers have been able to tweak how they play uh, uh, in the game, uh, given the game that they are yeah, in at the moment. And I feel that, especially in these two games that uh, they failed to pick up a win in, he has failed to be pragmatic. And that failure to be pragmatic has affected, affected them, probably kept them from picking up at least one point in those games. But I don't even have it in him because a lot of the things we see about Ange Postecoglou, you know, a lot of the things talk about football played on the front foot, they are constantly attacking. I, do you, do you, I wonder if he has it. I wonder if he has that side. Well, if he doesn't have it, he needs to find it somehow. <laughs> he needs to find it. Because Aston Villa themselves are a very attacking team. And I think they have probably, besides uh, their own James Madison, they have probably the signing of the season in uh, Osman, uh, uh, Musa, Musa Diaby. In Musa Diaby. I think he's been phenomenal for Aston Villa up, up front. He's added in another dimension especially with Watkins also uh, bringing in the goals. He's come up there with a lot of pace, a lot of technical ability, and his movement is top-notch. In every single game I've seen him, and he's been one of Aston Villa's, if not Aston Villa's best player in that game. And I feel he's going to be very important in this game as well. How Spurs are able to deal with him will be very important. On, on, on On the topic of Aston Villa's, better performing players I think McGinn John McGinn has had a, a, a very good start to the season he's had a very very good start to the season I think that he's shown some great work ethic for midfield I think he's scoring goals for midfield he gives them a certain drive a certain tempo he's, he doesn't get talked about a lot but I think John McGinn has looked really good for Aston Villa Look, he actually came in with a huge reputation from Burnley I, I think a lot more was expected of him in his first season. I don't think he played to the best of his ability, but that was because uh, none of the Villa players were playing to their best ability <laughs> under Steven Gerrard, yeah, Gerrard. The latter years of Steven Gerrard. And the change to Unai Emery has helped a lot of players, including him, find his best form. And he is showcasing that uh, this season, along with uh, Douglas Luiz and that whole midfield is mm. really top notch and can face up against any other side in the Premier League. Coming up against a very battered Spurs lineup, they will definitely fancy their chances, especially at home. I think they've not lost their last 12 Premier League games yeah. at home. But this weekend they are on the road. Yeah, they okay. have to go to London. They have to go to London, which is a, a location that they also have very good memories or fond memories in recent weeks they've beaten chelsea at stanford bridge yeah. so they definitely have fond memories yeah. of london they know how to play there spurs themselves playing in front of their home fans there's a lot of pressure and, and they've lost the last two they will, lost, they will have to find something from, from they, this game. They, they will have to find something from this game and i think postacogli has to be very very pragmatic in this game he doesn't have to go into this game thinking <laughs> I'm going to go gun ho attack all out attack we're going to go at teams we are going to uh, we're going to go at Villa we're going to have a go at them no matter how many players we have on the field no matter which phase of the game uh, we are in we're going to push as many players forward as we can because Villa definitely will punish them and if if you fail to 
defend when you have to if you fail to pack the bus when you have to obviously you're going to concede a lot of goals i'm i'm particularly surprised they've not conceded more than the six they conceded in their last two games <laughs> honestly should have been 12 at least given the way they defended in those two games and if Spurs are to get anything from this game, I'm tipping Villa to win this game. Wow, Villa to win on the road. Villa to win. Interesting. But if Spurs are to get anything from this game, Postecoglou needs to put his own style of play aside, mm. put it in uh, other games where Spurs are guaranteed to win, almost guaranteed to win, okay. and then leave uh, some of that defensive uh news that he doesn't usually go for on the pitch <laughs> against Villa if he's to get anything from this game. We'll see. Can Spurs get a response? Remember, they've lost their last two. Uh, one against Wolves, one against Chelsea. Can they get a response? They take on inform Aston Villa on Sunday at 2pm. The other game on Sunday is at Goodison Park. It's between Everton and Manchester United. Everton are still dealing with the consequences of that points deduction. Um, Edwin, just, just quick thoughts on that. I've heard all kinds of comments on this and people say if Everton have gone down or they've been punished then other clubs should get ready who seem to have stacks and stacks of evidence against them i.e. Manchester City i.e. other clubs but on on that end of things your thoughts on, on the ban and whether or not other teams should be scrutinised the same way and possibly giving you know their own punishments look um, it's, it's a very difficult situation I don't think having a lot of charges against you immediately makes you guilty. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that because someone puts a number to it, 150, 200, 115, it doesn't automatically make you guilty. I think each charge has to be looked at, each case has to be looked at on its own merit. And if everything were found guilty, they are planning to appeal or they've already started the appeal process so we'll see how that goes but the premier league has the premier league has already uh assigned punishments to them which means they found them guilty yeah. the 10 clubs, point, 10 yes, point 10 points. the other clubs that are being looked at and uh we've seen mention of manchester city and chelsea that same uh, uh that same eye or that same uh yeah, that same eye that was put onto the mm-hmm. case of Everton should definitely be put onto the okay. cases of Man City and Chelsea. If they are guilty, punish them, sanction them. If it's points deduction, if the charges and the uh, the infractions against them warrant a point deduction, you give it to them. No matter how influential the club is and no matter how rich the club is okay. there's been talk that oh city and chelsea might escape because of what they mean for english football these <laughs> are the last two winners of the european cup or the champions league uh, from england so maybe the premier league might not be willing to make take a harsh decision on them but i feel that every club deserves the same sort of uh, look into every club deserves the same sort of investigation and consideration so if mm. they are guilty punish them if they are not then let them go regardless of how other people might feel about the decision I think people are expecting City and Chelsea to be punished it doesn't work that way okay. it has to be proven and mm. once there's evidence they will be well Everton they take on Manchester United at 4.30 
um, p.m. on Sunday, Sunday, November 26th at Goodison Park. That's where that game will be taking place. And uh, it's what? I think the last, is it the last Premier League appearance Ronaldo made for Man United? I'm not too sure. Uh, I think no. he played on after that. Yes. But that was a game in which he scored his 700th career goal. That was a fact set up by Casemiro. So very interesting stuff there. Let's just run through the um, Premier League schedule for the weekend as we wrap it up on the EPL pitch side. Podcast is Manchester City taking on Liverpool, Burnley taking on West Ham, Luton face Crystal Palace, Newcastle take on Chelsea, Nottingham Forest face Brighton, Sheffield United will face Bournemouth, Brentford welcome Arsenal, that's the late game on Saturday at 5.30pm, and then on Sunday is Spurs versus Villa, Everton versus Manchester United, and on Monday night is Fulham versus Wolves at Craven Cottage, a game that I call the Raul Jimenez derby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he goes back against his former team. He's finally got a goal. Yeah, after what? After two years, I think? Which is weird because Jimenez was seen as one of the better strikers yeah. in the Premier League up until yeah, the head injury. The fortunate head injury. Yeah, the head injury but slowed him down. This should be an interesting game. And uh, I think our listeners or whoever is listening to this podcast should join us this Saturday. Oh, yes. This Saturday at, will be like, fun. If if you were there for the previous one at Oliver Twist uh, Shack, you should be here for this one because this one is going to be even better. Three games: uh, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle, and then Brentford, Arsenal. These are three huge games mm. that you can't afford to miss, and it's better in the company of us, the City Sports <laughs> team, and other sports fans. You know, you do your debates, you yeah. shout when the goal goes in, you are. Des, uh, despondent when you are scored against, then you get your drinks and your food, food in addition. Wonderful. Because these uh, Blackberry people are Blackberry, they have some wonderful food and drinks that you can take advantage of. Wonderful. So you heard Edwin. Join us this Saturday for another Premier League Roadshow as we leave the studio and head out. We're, we're at Spintex, we're at Blackberry. So join us and let's enjoy some great football on Saturday. And that's how we end today's edition of the EPL Pitchside podcast proudly brought to you by the City Sports Desk and City FM. My name is Nathan. I did this with Edwin Kakofi. Edwin, thank you so much. Pleasure, Nathan. All right, I sat in for your regular host, Benjamin Peter, who should be back for the next edition. Remember to find this podcast wherever you get your podcast be it Spotify, be it Apple Podcast, be it whatever platform it is. My name is Nathan. Once again, we'll catch you next week. Have a good time and enjoy the football over the weekend.